Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we are two very different Jews talking about the same Torah together. Hello, Dov, wherever you are. Hi, Abby. Good seeing you over Zoom once again. So we are in numbers. And what is the Parsha of today? The Parsha is Biha Alotcha, which means when you cause the flame to rise up. It's about Aaron lighting the menorah in the tabernacle. It's been a year since they left Egypt, and they've been standing at the foot of Mount Sinai after crossing the sea, and it's now a year later, and they're getting ready to move forward to the Holy Land, which is why there's all this discussion earlier in Numbers about setting up the camp. And right now, a year later, it's time to bring the Paschal sacrifice once again, because this was intended to be a yearly sacrifice to, as we have a Seder, it's an opportunity every year to reconnect to this foundational story of what makes us a people and the events of the Exodus. Okay, so we are in Numbers 9.13. I'm reading now. But if a man who is clean and not on a journey refrains from offering the Passover sacrifice, that person shall be cut off from his kin, for he did not present the Lord's offering at its set time. That man shall bear his guilt. So first of all, what's the, what's the crime here? Uh, the lack of bringing the Paschal sacrifice, which is actually a sin of omission, not of commission. Right. And if a man who is clean and not on a journey, let's explain that. Sure, because there could be practical reasons why you weren't able to bring the sacrifice. You could have been impure. You would have come in contact with a corpse, which actually happened to some people in the story told a few verses earlier. Um, or you could have been on a journey and not able to bring the sacrifice. So the Torah gives you a dispensation in those cases. But if you were able to bring it and didn't bring it, you willfully kept yourself out of this national experience, um, then you're deserving of karet, of being cut off. So let's talk about karet, because that's, it was actually when I was uh, a bat mitzvah at 40, not to make this about me, I had Parsha Amor, which also had karet as an idea, which mm -hmm. basically, as I had studied it, means to be cut off. Correct. There's a question about what, what that means. Are you cut off from your, it says your kin. Does that mean your mm -hmm. fellow Jews? Does it mean the Jewish people? Generally, does it mean that you're cut off from God? What is the rabbinic, the traditional understanding? The rabbis explain it in two ways. One is more metaphysical, that it means that, you know, if a person dies without repenting, then their soul does not get like the world to come as a result of this or get some punishment in the world to come. That idea is totally absent from the Torah. The Torah never really discusses the world to come. And the other way is that a person will die young, die in his 50s. Um, so those are the two ways that the rabbis explained it, because it seems somehow that it's something that happens automatically, not something that we as a people do. I read that a rabbi, when he turned 60, had a party because he, he said, I got past <laughs> Kare, right? I exactly. survived it. That is exactly correct. I think it's just an interesting idea that Kare appears, I think, 36 times in the Torah. Yes. It has to be noted that we are supposed to love the stranger 36 times in the Torah, just because I know <laughs> the numbers Excellent. matter. That's just an interesting parallel. I, I just think about how in our tradition and in our culture as Jews, there are times where essentially we cut each other off mm -hmm. or we mm -hmm. worry ourselves about being cut off. I'll speak for myself that there are times where I think because I'm not acting ethically or perhaps as God might want me to, that I have a sense that there's there's the threat of some kind of, I don't know if it's dislocation or excommunication, but kind of a metaphorical exile. And maybe that's that's my own 
therapize neurosis of, of fearing that I've disappointed God. But, you know, sometimes the cases you're talking about, we talk about like a sin being so grievous that you feel that you're deserving of some horrific punishment or you're not fully yourself. And then there's being cut off from the people, a way in which you distance yourself from your connection to the Jewish people. I think that's the idea of the Paschal Lamb and the circumcision. These are fundamental signs, you know, for men, the circumcision and the Paschal Lamb for everyone of being part of the nation. So have you personally, if you're comfortable saying, as you see orthodoxy evolve and you've been part of that to a more egalitarian model to one that's a little bit more progressive. Do you worry that kind of one step too far hmm. risks karate? Chove Torah, the rabbinical school I had, has gotten often in its 20-year history uh, some virulent attacks from, from the more Haredi, you know, right-wing Orthodox community. And it's over things which are, from a halachic perspective, trivial. You know, greater role of women in the synagogue. There's almost no halachic issues there. Um, but the way some people feel is that, oh, that sort of puts you outside of orthodoxy, that type of role of women, and therefore you're not really orthodox. So there are definitely people who are trying to cut us off, you know, from at least not the entire Jewish people, but at least our community of the orthodox community. Um, I obviously don't agree with that. I think that this, we're very well anchored in the middle of orthodoxy, but it's fascinating how these social issues are seen as what cuts you off or not, you know, in some people's eyes, rather than the question of, you know, is what you're doing really a sin or not? How about you, Abby? I'm really interested from your perspective. You mentioned like moral types of things, but how, does that play out for you in any way? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you assume moral things. I'm, I'm hoping I haven't committed that big a sin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just echoing back what you said. <laughs> I would say that there are times where I I think about the fact that I'm not keeping kosher, or I think about the fact that I'm not necessarily fasting on all of the six fasts, um, though mm -hmm. I do on Yom Kippur, but, you know, Tisha B'Av, not every year, where I just think, why am I not doing this challenging thing? Because ultimately, it's it's not something that I feel like I'm ready to take on as a regular practice. And it's it's not necessarily like a, that God's going to punish me for it. It's that why am I, in a way, resistant to doing a hard thing that would be meaningful and would attach me, as you say, connect me to my tradition and, and to my people? What I'm wondering is, in the examples you gave, is it just a question of how much is it sort of fully connecting to the tradition? Or is it also because so many of those practices are about social grouping, you know, are about being part of the community, right? I mean, observance of holidays is a fundamental way in which we celebrate as a community. Keeping kosher is sort of like, you know, the foods we eat, these are very social experiences. So is that really a piece of it? No, it's true. And I, I think that um, ultimately our tradition and our sort of Jewish family is constantly throwing us back together. And that's where I think kare is such a threat, or so ominous is the idea of being out of the family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I'll be honest. When I was dating someone who was non-Jewish in my in my twenties, and my mom, for all of her liberal politics, she became she became very reactionary. That was kind of her message. Honestly, mm -hmm. was that you're going to be cut off, um, not necessarily mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. from her forever. Although I do think something would have been severed, but but that she was saying you're you're essentially turning your back. Right. on on your people and and your story and that right. that was very unsettling to me i do think that there is some some sort of modern day specter of in a way losing your family 
So, Abby, let me get you straight. Uh, I know where I'm coming from as an Orthodox Jew, an Orthodox rabbi, but are you saying that you also feel that it is, you know, really wrong to intermarry and that that cuts somebody off from the people or it should cut someone off from the people? No, I think that's that's way too simplistic. I think that it is a more challenging road for a number of reasons that we all know in terms of kind of melding two backgrounds and building a life and a family um, with very different religious perspectives and traditions and practices. But I feel very strongly, and I think you suggested it, that to turn your back on a couple is to often lose the Jew. And that, that I think, has been to, to our people's peril, and there has to be a way to open the tent and have that conversation in a way that's more honestly and allows for more definitions of, of what it means to build a family with two religions. I will say personally, though, that I think that we still are in kind of a Jewish family that is judgmental, and that mm-hmm. makes it harder if you do choose to, to use the old language, marry out. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I was aware of. And that I think because it was painful for my mother who comes from a generation where that's still the framework a little bit of like, we survived this long and now you're going to cut the chain. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as that perspective has been in your DNA and it was in mine, it's just hard to shirk a certain sense of responsibility. Right. I don't want to end this discussion without commenting on how things have become less absolute or less final nowadays. I Certainly in the community I inhabit, for example, we have a lot of rabbis that are in synagogues that have intermarried couples. And, you know, there's a very clear understanding. You do not cut people off nowadays. I mean, you show the fact that you don't approve of it, in, you know, and make it clear what your lines are. But there's still a Jewish soul there. And the kids are Jewish. And uh, I mean, you know, from our perspective, if the mother is Jewish, all the kids are Jewish. And how do you keep them connected to the tradition, even though, you know, they have done this thing and they have married out? Uh, so I think that there's real emphasis today to not make create this absolute line to know that we can't afford to lose people. I think that's a hopeful ending. Shabbat Shalom, Dove. Shabbat Shalom, Abby. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrebin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.